My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius. I am Iron Man. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Post Credit Podcast. I am your host, Eric Italiano, senior writer at BroBible.com. Today, I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Kate Onder, who you could find writing about video games over at ComicBook.com. And today, we are discussing the Obi-Wan Kenobi finale. Series finale, season finale, I guess we'll have to see. Now, usually what we do on this show is we'll get into some news before we talk about the big topic of the week. But because this week is so full, not only do we have the Obi-Wan finale, we also have Miss Marvel Episode 3. Reactions to Thor 4 are going to drop tomorrow. And we also have a 30-minute chat with Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick, the screenwriters of the Deadpool franchise, Zombieland franchise, Spiderhead, uh, the upcoming film Ghosted, and one of my favorite space films of all time, Life. So... Depending on how long today's podcast runs, I'm either going to attach that interview to today's or to our next pod, which we'll drop later this week. Cade, I don't know. I guess let's just, since we're just doing this today, we've got some real room to sort of stretch out our legs. What? You're the sort of guy, see, I'm an early bed, early riser type. You're Mm -hmm. the inverse, right? You're a late bed, late riser. So (laughs) did you stay up for this? Yeah, yeah. And did, what what was your sort of feelings going into it? Did it feel like a big Star Wars moment for you? Because you stay up for these all the time, right? But was there a did the did your anticipation match what a show that features a battle between Obi Wan and Darth Vader match? I I, I know we we kind of talked on Twitter like ex- I expressed some uh, caution going into this of like is this the rematch of the century how how much can that be for a battle in the desert is what i said uh but there was still a piece of me that was just like there's some some doubt in my mind but the the star wars fan the little kid inside of me the person who loves obi-wan kenobi and darth vader was like this is exciting because you know i didn't see any of the prequel movies in theaters uh because I, I was too young same same, <laughs> um, same here same here uh and I, I was perhaps old enough so the, so the first one came out in 99 so i was perhaps still too young sure but it was so unkid friendly that by the time sith came out in 2005 so i i would have been 12 right mm-hmm. prime star wars time i remember like wanting my parents to buy me the dvd but i didn't mm-hmm. have like a take me to the theaters to see this epic conclusion you know yeah yeah like i i i I probably could have gotten my parents to take me, but like they, I wasn't aware of release dates and things. So that just all flew past me. But I remember when Netflix had DVDs, they would send you, I would go on when they came out on DVD and I'd order it, get it in my mailbox. And I did that for revenge of the Sith over and over and over again. Instead of just fucking buying the movie, like (laughs) just, you know, um, like a kid. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, so it was, it was a big moment and playing the PS2 game and stuff, but, so to have all of this come back around almost 20 years later for me and to be able to sit there week by week by week and experience it unfold, it's been very cool. And yes, to answer your question in a long-winded manner, uh, going into this, the, the anticipation was building inside of me. And I was like, oh, this is a big deal. This and, is a really big deal. And that's why I sort of challenged your tweet last night because, and I mean this, you know, I invited you to, to be part of the show because despite for our industry, you're an incredible young age. I think you're quite a smart guy. So to, so to see you be like, I understand the Tatooine uh, conundrum where mm-hmm. it feels like we're always fucking there. Yes. But my point was that sort of all they had, right. and it wound up not even being there in the first place. 
although it was still sort of in sure. a desert type, yeah. type setting. But so the, my point to you was like, all right, the first thing they've got to do is make it look good, mm-hmm. right? Forget where they're doing it. What are they doing? So that's key one. I think that they nailed that and we'll get into that more. But then key two, and I said, I caveated by saying, if we're lucky, genuine drama. Mm-hmm. And given everything we had seen leading up to this week's short of a diabolical disaster, I knew that that drama was there because mm-hmm. as soon as episode three went down and Obi-Wan got his ass kicked, I told you, I said, we know he loses round four. So there ain't no way that he's going to lose round three. So even though I knew he was going to ultimately win the fight, the execution of the drama for me was an absolute home run. And we'll sort of yeah. dive into why that is. But so to answer what I asked you, yeah, I definitely had sort of a, when I got up to that, this felt like a big deal. This felt like you know, probably the biggest Star Wars event since Mando season two finale, which is, was that last year? Or was that two years ago? That was two years ago. So that was 2020. So, and Mando is probably, and Rogue One are probably the most enthused that I've been about Star Wars in my life. And the anticipation for the Obi-Wan finale matched that. I was more excited for the Obi-Wan finale than I was for the first one for the pilot. And what that right. speaks to is ultimately potential delivered on. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you heard of Schrodinger's cat? Yes. For those out there who don't know, it's basically a thought experiment that if you put a cat in a box, it theoretically lives forever. If you never look inside that box, because you never come to learn the outcome if it lives or dies. So the two potential outcomes are technically still existent as long as you don't look in that box. So to make that comp for the show, heading into it, it was all potential, right? It could have been anything in the world, but regardless, I was excited. So the fact that I was more excited once I knew what the product was says that they've done well and that they built up a solid anticipation one through one, two, three, four, five, six. Now, would I have preferred it to be longer? And this is more of a general thought. That's why I'm saying it now. Would I have preferred it to be longer? I think that this is a Disney Plus question in general. I don't know what algorithms or analytics or data that they've looked at that has told them to largely adhere to this six episode per season thing, whether it be Marvel or Star Wars, with the exception of the occasional nine. I think WandaVision was nine. Mando has been somewhere between eight and 10. I do wish it was longer, but I don't think that that detracted from what we ultimately got. It's sort of a beggar's can't be choosers type thing and the fact that we're at a stage where star wars is delivering you know boba fett aside i think andor is going to prove that the rule that we should come to expect is that these star wars shows are going to be good and the fact that they had delivered that feeling with a show that featured their two seminal characters outside of luke is and i'm not trying to hear i'm not here to suck the tea to disney you know what i mean (laughs) i'm not trying but i just think given the pressure and expectations for the show to be as largely, and I know there's some divisiveness over the finale. I've seen a, a lot of people be like, eh, it's just meh. But for them to deliver something that has excited a lot of fans with such legacy, iconic characters, when they had such a tight window to thread between the two film series that we know of and that provides the show with a beginning and end point, I just think it was a really remarkable is a strong word, but pleasantly surprising. You know, after how bad Boba Fett went, I was like, <laughs> I was like, eh! was mando sort of lucky is baby yoda this ultimate driving force mm-hmm. force but it, i i'm pretty confident that this show and andor is going to confirm that we're in the good good now yes um and you know i think for the most part we know star wars fans 
actual fans, not people who just fucking complain that everything's woke, but actual fans, they don't, you know, mince words when something is not good with Star Wars. They they're pretty honest. And that's, you know, has been a common theme throughout uh, Boba Fett. Even some of this show, they're like, I don't like this. This is there's certain things about this. You've I don't like. seen hardcore this is crap. I don't like this takes. Maybe not this is crap, but people who are critical, like okay. that are are like, this is a frustrating thing because I, I've i seen like a lot of honesty of like, I like this show, but there are things about this that are holding it back from getting to where it right where I want it to be. And uh, I understand where some of that's coming from. I don't necessarily agree. Uh, I, I, the, the thing that pissed me off <laughs> is I saw uh, people complaining about uh, when he takes Leia from the base and puts him in his coat, you remember this? And she's walking alongside him. I'm like, that's Star Wars. This was not a like genius plan. They're like, well, we have to leave. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, and plus, this is not meant to be the grand and, plan. <laughs> and that is sort of the thing that we said that we liked about part of this show and Rogue One. Right? Ship her on the fucking table. Mm-hmm. The push has come to shove. Yeah. Shit has hit the fan. I could list a litany of sayings that describe the fact that goal A is get shit done. And I've yeah. seen a million films and shows where the plan to sneak by is to act like you belong there. And that is Top Gun the- does this. And like that is basically what they did. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. All right. So now that we've shared our sort of big picture thoughts, let me share a recap of the plot and then we will dive in. While Reva has arrived on Tatooine looking for Luke, Vader pursues Kenobi in the path in his Star Destroyer, realizing there is no other way. Kenobi separates from the group so that the path can escape. He fights Vader alone on a nearby planet and damages Vader's helmet and breathing device, incapacitating him. Convinced Anakin cannot be saved, Kenobi leaves Vader behind. Meanwhile, Reva has arrived at Owen's farm and is fought by Owen and Biru. Biru, I'm not really sure exactly. She pursues Luke into the desert but cannot bring her to kill him and eventually returns Luke to his family. Kenobi congratulates her for overcoming her past and the dark side. On Mustafar, a healed Vader abandons his search for Kenobi after the Emperor questions his motives and loyalty. Then back on Alderaan, Leia has found new resolve in her duties as princess. A visiting Kenobi assures the Organas that he will help when he is needed and bids Leia farewell. Upon his return to Tatooine, he assures Owen that he will allow Luke to grow up as a regular boy and is permitted to meet him for the first time. Having found his inner peace, Oh, okay. Fair enough. I didn't really think about that. Having found his inner peace, he is finally able to see and speak to a force ghost of Qui-Gon Jinn. <laughs> I, I, I really, I had not put that. That's okay. Fair enough. All right. So let's start there. Obi-Wan's journey. I think that for me, this has been my favorite part of this show. I think that the way that they have, we've talked about how they've broken them down and have built them back up. I think that that culminates here totally. More so than the physicality in which he whoops upon Darth Vader's ass is I wrote in our notes here that it's sort of a Spider-Man homecoming. Come on, Spider-Man. Yes, it's exactly like that. Esque scene. And it's sort of the thematic culmination of his journey thus far is that he is no longer motivated in finding strength through his failures. So he blocks out his old thoughts of Anakin and their friendship and begins to instead see Leia and Luke and the people of the path. And it is what ultimately ends his return to a heroism arc. And I know that we joked about it last week, but the show ultimately resolves itself in Obi-Wan finding a quote unquote new hope. That is what we are dealing with here. I think that 
you know, would it have been hilarious for him to say it for meme purposes? Of course, but that would have been absurd. But they still thematically went there that this was ultimately a story of like, yes, seeing the quote unquote rematch of the century was fantastic. But to see Obi-Wan come from an understandable place of total and utter desperation, complete solitude, lack of faith in himself and everything he used to believe in, to see him build back up to that point where he's not only like an engaging member in Leia and Luke's life, but to like lay the smackdown on Darth Vader again, you know, that's how you do an arc. It, it, it was it, for me, it, the point of the show was to be an Obi-Wan Kenobi story. And in that sense, they nailed it. Yeah. I mean, action is not good without uh story. You have to, the drama has to be driving the action, right? That's a big part of it. And uh, the the drama of Obi-Wan's getting his groove back, we've said that multiple times, and seeing him grow. I mean, even like physically, like when he starts the show, he looks more grungy, dirty, just like the does not give a shit. old man. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, you know. Uh, now he's it, doing parkour. Yeah, exactly. He's doing crazy <laughs> yeah. shit. Doing like he's like the fucking avatar. And, <laughs> and, and he you see a physical change, not just mental change. And that's really important. And it's, it's not, you know, in your face, it's, it's a little subtle. Um, even like his clothes go from pretty dark to by the end, they're very light. And like, that's a cool transformation and seeing the growth there and seeing he cracks a laugh at the end of the show, right? Like he's, he's more uh, restored as a all around person uh, and, and has learned kind of, who he needs to be, where he needs to be, what he needs to be. And, and that's that's the ultimate hero's journey kind of thing, right? It's it's great. And this may be a stretch too far, and I may be giving them a bit too much credit. I also think it adds important context to the Obi-Wan we see in A New Hope because there were a lot of, as I've said, it's a tight window. And we'll get to the most glaring aspect of that later, i.e., why on earth do you leave Darth Vader breathing? Mm-hmm. Yes. There's no deduction, but we'll save that. Sure. But it sure. adds context to the version of him that we see in A New Hope because one of the questions I always had, even as a kid, I was like, why does this hero, old or not, basically let Darth just kill him? And I think that's because he already has seen there is nothing physically that he could do to harm Darth. And that at that mm-hmm. point in A New Hope, the only way to turn him is to let him kill him and sort of become that guilty conscience force ghost on his back. Because I, that's the only bridge that I could connect between a man who lets a guy live and then lets that same guy kill him. Mm-hmm. That I, I can't logically reason. And I, that is not the point of the show to ultimately redefine a new hope. But I do think it added some genuine point of view wherein when he saw when he finally understood that Anakin was dead the fight was over they could swing their swords for the live long day he knows that the universe the universe's fate is not going to come down to whether he could defeat Darth Vader in a sword battle there will always be evil but Mm -hmm. he maybe in a new hope understands that if not defeat him bring him back to the light and that I thought was was if unintentional still quite smart Yes, I, I agree. Because I mean, they the one of the best parts of this entire series, and probably of some of Star Wars, is is their final exchange as Darth Vader's kind of been beaten, for lack of a better term. And you know, he says, 
this isn't your failure. I killed Anakin Skywalker. And you're like, oh, shit. And Dude, I, I uh, sent out a tweet. I was just like, yo, they were spitting some, like, eight-mile type bars. Yeah. At each like, other. Just, just one-liners fucking cutting deep yeah. left and right. Yeah. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, like, <laughs> this guy is gone. Like, there's nothing in there. And the sickest part of it, he sounds proud of it. Yes, exactly. Like, it's not, like, depression. It's like, I am Darth Vader. And it's like, oh, okay. You're <laughs> yeah, really yeah, yeah. off the deep end. Yep. Uh, and that, you know, split imagery, which we've seen in Star Wars before, and, like, Empire and stuff of Anakin's face. Or it's, in, it's Luke's face in Empire, but Anakin's face and the Darth Vader mask is, like, perfect. And they they sell that so well and, and just deliver this idea that Darth Vader is probably the most evil force in the galaxy right now. And it's going to take some time. <laughs> it's not going to be Obi-Wan who brings him back. Is that a sole result of the new hope framework? Had a new hope not existed, Darth Vader died at the end, right? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. 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 Um, and, and I put out a tweet about this. I know there's probably some people who are going to try to be like, does this perfectly align with canon? And I'm like, I don't give a shit. Like, Preach. tell your fun stories. If you have to change a little bit here and there, you know, if you change the continuity within the same movie or something, that's a different story. But like, this is a 50-year-old saga and we can't be It's not realistic. To- yes. It's not realistic. It's That's just it. And if you needed to adhere to every previous detail that was established in the year 1977, all these shows wouldn't exist. Exactly. It's it's just I I'm okay with letting go of some things. Like it's it's totally okay if it serves a better story, that's totally fine. And honestly, I wouldn't mind if they just started getting a little riskier and just being like this story isn't canon at all. We're just going to tell a fucking fun what if story in the Star Wars universe. What if Darth Vader died at the hands of Obi-Wan? What happens with the Empire? You know, who knows? That'd be cool. What happens with Luke? You know, somehow Palpatine returned. <laughs> uh, so, well, Palpatine we, wouldn't be dead because Darth Vader wouldn't have killed him. So it's like this right, whole, right. you know, I wouldn't go down that road. I'm surprised Disney. Uh, I would need to see how well what if did, but like that's sort of a Pandora's box yeah. there for them, which totally. is again shameless IP cash grab. <laughs> but if you're hiring creators who are passionate about the stories being told, then I'm down for it. Yeah. Uh, you know, you look at shit at Star Wars Visions, which I have not watched because I'm not an anime guy. People fucking love that. All right. So Obi-Wan's journey, let's talk about where it ends. And we'll save sort of a, a Kate, save the Qui-Gon parts of your thought for when we talk sure. about Qui-Gon himself. We knew he was going to show up. Mm-hmm. The manner in which he showed up was the only question left. There was a world in which it was shameless fan service. I don't think that that was it. But do you think that the way in which it was framed potentially is what could continue Obi-Wan's journey? And that any season two, because that, and maybe I'm being, so just like I was saying before, perhaps I gave them too much credit. Perhaps here I'm being too cynical and Qui-Gon's series ending or season series ending appearance in the final scene was just narratively satisfying. 
But the way that I read it was, oh, are they leaving the door for like season two, like being like him learning from Qui-Gon and shit and going to refight Maul or something? Yeah, I mean, the interesting thing is if you look on Disney Plus, it says season finale. It doesn't say series finale. And I, that's ha- that's happened before. So like it's and not. There's no concrete. need for them to box themselves in. Right. Yeah. So like and, and Catherine Kennedy Cannon said today, like, hey. If the fans want it, we'll fucking do it. Like she oh, wasn't she even like dancing around it. She was like, "Ewan is down as well." Yeah, so I think it's a lock. Like, I mean, this is really. I I, I think so. I mean, even uh, if you, you this is from the, the famed Cal Kestis disclaimer. <laughs> sure, fair enough. I said that was a lock as well, but that's okay. Uh, by the way, I'll just a quick tangent. Apparently, he's getting a TV show. I so. heard that. It's a rumor. It's a rumor yeah. from a source I'm a bit met on. So, yeah, we'll, uh, so we'll see. But um, go uh, ahead. We, we were looking at the synopsis here and, and it said, you know, he said to the Organas, like, I'll be here if you need me. And maybe that doesn't necessarily mean he'll interact with them. But I don't think his story is over. Should it be? I Maybe. But like, uh, because the more they, they go and dive deeper into Obi-Wan's in-between phase, the more they do play with canon. And, I, you know, I think some people will get mad about that. <laughs> Here's the bigger problem, I think, than so much canon. And we've talked about this. Mm-hmm. Unless they run back the mall card, mm-hmm. I think Vader is the only card that they have. Yes, yeah. the time constrictions are short, but once you've had Obi-Wan beat Darth Vader, where do you go from that? Like, can, how do you... Yeah. How do you escalate, which is the entire point of franchise storytelling is to escalate the story. I don't understand. Unless you got a Qui-Gon Jinn, Maul, Ahsoka Tano, whatever combo. Mm-hmm. I just don't. That to me is more the challenge. Not so much the, the time frame, but they've already played the ace in their hole. And right. how do you elevate and escalate from that point? I don't know. Yeah, it's and you also don't want to. Could they hold on? Could they go backwards into the Clone Wars? It's possible. I mean, um, you're I feel like you're even more limited there because we've seen we had the prequels and we had the Clone Wars TV show. Right. So like you're really boxing it in and even I mean, it still gives you room to invent new stories. Whereas this like he can't kill Darth. He can't kill Darth. He can't fight him again to a draw. You know what I mean? So at least back then he could take on and I'm not well versed enough in the lore, but Thrawn or grieve it. You know what I mean? Just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there there is options, but I think they are very limited options and like they're going to have to get creative or just come out and say, like, look, we know you want more Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan. This isn't canon. And that's, again, I'm totally fucking okay with that. If it is in service of a good story and it's just like, we're going to break some canon here and you got to have to accept it. That's totally fine with me because um, I think this is a character that is cool. His story doesn't need to end in a new hope because like we said that guy started there right and like that seems almost unfair 50 years later to be limited by something george lucas created then with no idea of where this would go um i don't think it has to be as concrete especially with the idea of multiverses and superheroes and stuff i mean i don't think we need to go quite that far but you know I don't think it needs to be limited. So I know you said that it's a lot, but reel it in, take a breath. <laughs> On a scale of one to 10, what do you genuinely think it is that we get a season two or even if it's like a sort of American 
horror story type deal where they just like pick a random moment in his life to tell. I would put it at straight up 50-50. I would say 60-70%. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Moving on to what will, will probably be the main portion of this show, the quote-unquote rematch of the century, the culminating battle between Obi-Wan and Darth Vader on unnamed planet. I'm not sure where exactly. What? Oh, I didn't have anything. I don't know. You've got a knuckles. fat grin on your face. You've got a <laughs> shit-eating smile on your face. It's so funny over there. Nothing. <laughs> um, they certainly don't name I don't think so, the planet. Yeah. I think I could look it up. But I'm sure there's a You could find nerdier your podcast for that shit. I'm not really into the planet is. Um, let's talk about the lead-in. Oh, uh, Darth Vader is presented with a choice. Keep following the organizers of the path which is sort of the jedi underground temple and wipe that i'm just happy (laughs) (laughs) i'm fucking with you i'm just fucking with you i'm joking i'm joking i'm joking keep keep smiling it's nice um he's got a choice to either go after the path which would be the shrewd sort of businessman way to lead things or he's got the path or he's got the choice to go after Obi-Wan, you retweeted the meme that I put out once again on the show. I'm going to bring up the greatest fictional character of all time, and that is Batman. Now, what makes Batman so great to me always has been the fact that he is a human dude just fucking on a level with gods. And from one of my favorite Batman adaptations ever in the late 90s, there was it was technically a three episode arc in the Superman series, but they released it as a tape as sort of a Batman Superman film. And the plot of that film is Lex Luthor hires Joker to kill Superman because I think Joker had come across a huge rock of kryptonite and obviously had the reputation of being a, you know, a fierce villain. And in the scene that they meet, Joker tells, and if you haven't seen this, I think it's called Batman and Superman, the world's greatest or the world's finest. Something like that. Joker tells Lex, <laughs> and just this, this movie's fucking amazing. It's like, pay me one billion dollars and I will kill Superman. It's just like, <laughs> oh, it's that easy. Uh, and then Lex is like, you can't even kill a freak in a, a mere mortal in a cape. What makes you think you could kill a god? Joker gets pissed, like legit pissed, gets in his face, grabs his collar, and says, there's nothing mere about that mortal. And Joker feels that way. Superman feels that way. Everyone in the DC world feels that way about Batman. He is not to be fucked with. And while Obi-Wan is super powered and not humor, I got not human. I got that same vibe here. (laughs) Darth Vader's delivery of he's he is just not any Jedi like that speaks to both Darth Vader's personal and admittedly blinding feelings about his former teacher but also it speaks to the power of obi-wan darth vader knows obi-wan could fuck this whole thing up for us mm-hmm. like if he's back on his game in his bag he's a problem so while the grand inquisitor was right in a sense to be like we should go for the path he doesn't have that understanding of like darth vader in his mind is thinking dude this guy beat my ass the last time like yeah. i gotta like i should i we need to kill him or he's gonna come fuck <laughs> our shit up so just that I, I i felt that same sort of vibe of a villain paying their heroic enemy the ultimate respect of like this ain't no normal dude this dude is simply to quote the youth built different yeah yeah <laughs> and you know i think that whole final fight illustrates that i mean dude like like I was saying, the whole Avatar thing, he lifts up a bunch of rocks and just just like a machine gun and just annihilates Darth Vader with them. And um, 
it's it's he's not to be uh, trifled with to say the least <laughs> it's it's uh it, it highlights i think the respect like you said fear of of darth vader in obi-wan because the grand inquisitor last time he saw obi-wan was cowering behind some boxes so he doesn't know quite what's going on here so darth vader's like this dude cut off my legs and arms and left me in a volcano (laughs) which let me let me speak on sith real quick now Mm -hmm. that you've brought that up because it's the same thing here right why do you leave him alive here we know it's because he has to live yeah but re-watching revenge of the sith in the past week or so the utter lack of compassion for obi-wan to not kill him there is like sort of insane to me sure do yeah. you have the same thoughts i don't know i just feel like not enough people talk about that like what it's I, oh i guess it's the same construction right he has to live they have yeah. no choice yeah but now star wars has fallen into that trap twice twice yeah, it was easier to understand then because you're like, he probably thinks he's dead. Yeah, like, <laughs> right? He can assume he's dead, but no one yeah. really knows now what he survived the first time. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's um, yeah, it's hard to say. It's almost like there's a frustration in Obi-Wan. It's like, you fucked everything. Everything is so fucked because of you. I am not going to give you mercy because you've betrayed me. You killed some kids. You betrayed your wife. She's going to die in a few minutes. And it's like, there's probably some thought in him that's like, you probably don't deserve to be put out of your misery right now. I'm going to let you sulk in some fire. All right, so let's dive into the thick of said rematch, and we're going to sort of do it piece by piece. Let's first talk about the location, which was something that you, all jokes aside, were quote-unquote particularly, that's the third time I've said quote-unquote on this podcast. <laughs> I've got to stop. That's extremely annoying. Don't worry, y'all. I hear you. Um <laughs> That was something that you harbored concerns about. Now, while you wound up being wrong about where exactly it took place, I think it was ultimately like a similar setting. Right. So what did you think about the location itself? The one note that I'll make is I think it was a obvious choice given the beauty that we saw in The Force Awakens to set both of their duels at night. Yeah. Uh, I like the idea of the the lightsabers illuminating the entire scene, right? That's a cool idea. Um yeah, I was uh, I was concerned. Then it's primarily. literally the light versus dark. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I was concerned primarily uh, with that tweet. Was like, we already saw them kind of fight in like a deserty looking place with the little quarry that they fought on, and I was like, I don't necessarily want that again. Especially like I said, the the finale of Revenge of the Sith is in a volcano, which is just crazy. And I was like, I don't know if you can call it the rematch of the century when the bar is already so high. That's a really hard bar to hit. But um, it was a cool location. It's quiet. Nobody around. It's just two of them. And that's what you've been waiting for because no one's running. No one's hiding. It's just we know what we're here for. This is it. And Obi-Wan says, whether it's him or me, this ends tonight. And uh it's it's awesome when and great it doesn't happen turns to light oh you're you're i don't know what that is probably too young that is the all american rejects it okay ends, it's a song called okay. it ends tonight all right <laughs> um, fair enough l- listen everybody in Cade, quick break i have to go pay my weed man <laughs> okay go ahead <laughs> 
Ugh, 2022, baby. They drop it right off at your front door. That's great. <laughs> I love it. Back in my day, you have to you used to have to walk two miles into the woods. Be like, oh shit, oh shit, are the cops gonna drop by? Uh, all right, where were we? Uh, we covered location, right? So let's talk about dialogue. I talked about this at the top of the show. I compared it to like a rap battle. Sure. These guys were spitting absolute bars at each other because I've always found soliloquizing, soliloquying, whatever, mm. during a fight scene. And to such an extent that it's a meta joke in some films like, oh, the bad guy's doing his monologue just at the key time. Mm-hmm. But these were more sort of four, five, six word jabs. They were just mm-hmm. throwing back and forth, back and forth. And it rang so true to me because I feel like, like, Picture fighting your best friend, right? I feel like you two would be talking shit to each other the whole time, mm-hmm. you know? And that's sort of what this felt like, where they both knew how to... You've seen the uh, gentleman, right? Yeah. <laughs> there, there's that scene with Colin Farrell in uh, the fish and chips shop, mm-hmm. and those teens try to <laughs> rob him, and they try to diss him, and he's like, now, come on, caught me with it. Because uh, he's talking about like that is what they were doing to each other. They their words were fucking daggers, man. And I I wrote down a few here. Of course, they bring back. I will do what I must. Yeah, of course. Which is just like a, I sent out the meme of that coach screaming, "Let's go!" Yeah. Like if you don't get fucking g'd up here and that, then I don't know what else will. Darth Vader, your strength has returned, but the weakness still remains. Like the way that he hit that weakness. And that is why you will always lose. And then as you touched on towards the end, Anakin is gone. I am what remains. I am not your failure, Obi-Wan. You didn't call kill Anakin Skywalker. I did the same way I will destroy you. And then I believe there was one more that I was like, oh, fuck me. Like, they're really just. Oh, and then of course, and and then of course, he is not just any Jedi. Just the fucking bars that they were, were slinging were incredible. Yeah, I mean, the. I, I there's so much confusion for me at least around James Earl Jones's whole thing. It's an AI. It's whatever. Yeah, that's I what I think know. it is. Uh, whatever the case is, the it's line like if you delivery. asked a computer to make a sketch of a face by like mm-hmm. giving it Pete like an, an eyebrow, sure. a nose. That's sort of what it's doing with voice. But it's so baffling to me because it sounds perfect. I mean the delivery of every single line he gives, particularly in, in this episode, is fucking bone chilling. Hey, Cade, brother, just like the weed to my doorstep, we are living in the future. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but like when, when Obi-Wan leaves and he does the classic villain cry of Obi-Wan. Like, yeah, right, right. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, is, it is the best thing ever. <laughs> like, it's great. Did you have a particular line that stuck out to you? Um, all of the ones that you pretty much listed are, are, are the ones, but I, I would say probably that last cry of screaming Obi-Wan's name as he's walking away. You just have that overhead shot and you just hear it. It's like, that's like earth rattling scream. That's crazy. It's yeah. good. It's good. All right, let's go on to the lightsaber choreography itself. Now, what what do you, what would you say is the consensus number one lightsaber duel of all time? Is it Sith? Either that or the Mar fight. Yeah. Would you? Where do you rank that among those three? Where do you rank this among those three? You go ahead if you have something. All right. <laughs> well, 
do I have something? I'm, <laughs> I'm constantly full of shit, Kane. <laughs> Listen to me. I'm thinking because it's hard for me to sort of discern the difference between a scale of a film and a show, right? Like, yeah. would this feel bigger if I saw it in the theater? Absolutely. I saw it on my 50-inch screen, which you can see <laughs> right there, you know? So while I love my fucking setup, IMAX hits yeah. different. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I will say that I think the strict lightsaber choreography in terms of just the bang, 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 bang is probably as cool as we've ever seen. Particularly what stuck out to me is how slick it was, how brutal it was, but the way that they weaved the force into saber dueling. So the fact Mm -hmm. that they were blocking each other's saber swings with the force, which off the top of my head is not something I could ever really remember seeing. I was like, oh, dude, like it was... And I'm not trying to say that I called it because there's going to be a time where I come later to, to, to name all the shit that I called. But it was Raid-esque. It was so well choreographed and fluid yeah. that, that I was like, they fucking nailed it. I thought that they fucking nailed it. Well, And as we touched on how the, the light of the sabers is the yeah. only light in the whole scene. Yeah. What, the thing that sticks out to me is, and this is a not uncommon uh, criticism of the prequels of despite how great those fights are, you can see the choreography, right? You can see them. There's the classic like gif of them both twirling their lightsabers at the same time instead of hitting each other. Yeah, yeah. It's like, what the fuck's going on? I'd also say a great example of this and God bless him. I love him. He's my favorite on earth. Brad Pitt in Once Upon a Time where he fights Bruce Lee, you could tell that he's really thinking about, all right, block, punch, jab, cross. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And in this, I didn't feel like that. I felt like these are two masters, like really going at it, trying to defend themselves. And I've called attention to this before. Darth Vader uses one hand normally. He uses both hands in this fight. And that's how you know shit's real. He's like, I'm not playing offense. I'm playing defense too. And um, just the drama of it all, you know, and again, just the choreography is not identifiable it feels like two guys hitting each other and this is an evolution of how filmmaking has gone for star wars of the sounds have gotten mm. more scary and dangerous as opposed to wom, wom, wom. Mm. it's like, mm. yep, it's like yep, yep. really violent and that really helps sell it so the next part about the fight that i want to talk about is the usage of the force which i sort of touched on in the way that they worked into the actual safer battle but the usage of the force the biggest moments of which being vader burying obi-wan under the bricks and then <laughs> obi-wan later as you said sort of avatar air bending a ton <laughs> of rocks back at him the avatar rock scene got me like chills to yell oh shit because <laughs> yeah. The classic framing of the hero higher up. So like the camera is below him. So he just looks like he's a fucking giant and seeing like Obi-Wan back in his like back on his bullshit. Like I like basically saying I am Obi-Wan fucking Kenobi. Mm -hmm. Eat some rocks. You know what I mean? Like that, that was such a hype inducing moment. So the force is such a Dewey sex machina in terms of power. You could use it to change someone's mind. You you could use it to pick things up and pull somebody all these sorts of things, but the way the creativeness and way in which they deployed it here, I thought more so in Obi-Wan's than Vader's because Vader strikes me as a ruthless fucking dude. Right. So he wouldn't just bury the rocks on him. He would, if I was Vader, 
I would make sure I'm seeing blood. <laughs> like, yeah. like, I'm making sure there's, there's a body yeah. on the ground. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> but still, I just thought that the way in which the force was incorporated into their fight was fucking sick. Yeah. Uh, fucking Darth Vader takes out Obi-Wan's ankles with a rock in the most brutal way possible. I was like, Jesus. So, yeah, they, they integrate it very well in terms of making sure it's not just flips and dives and sliding and stuff. It is a full, no pun intended, force extravaganza, yeah. which is exactly what you want from this. So did you, I mean, it's a big quote. Did you, let's be a bit less vague. <laughs> did this fight live up to that, to what you needed it to be? Uh, you were going to ask me if is it the rematch of the century? Yeah. yeah. Uh, because that, that's such a fucking stupid it's, phrase. It's a I get that it was thing. for sales, but like, yeah. how do you quantify that? You know what I mean? Yeah. So I just figured that <laughs> this is the way to go. Totally. Yeah. No, um, it, it definitely matched what I needed it to be in terms of delivering something that gives me the dramatic satisfaction of both a resolution, for lack of a better term, of Obi Wan and Darth Vader's relationship. Um, the satisfaction of seeing Obi-Wan's growth and just a badass fight. Uh, I think it it justifies itself, yes. Yeah. Two more quick points on the fight itself. As I touched on on the top, Obi-Wan has a very Spider-Man homecoming, come on, Spider-Man-esque moment. Cade, did you pick up on that on your own? Or? That's all I could think about because okay. it's literally... Yeah, I thought so. Yes, I thought yeah, so. exactly. Uh, so while that particular trope is well worn i mean i'm sure there are other ways to visualize it but we, mm-hmm. we we've seen it time and time again so i'm not necessarily in love with that and even what i'm about to say would largely usually ring cheesy but obi-wan's source of power coming from a transition of regret to hope is what i really loved like the fact that they visualized it was maybe heavy-handed ask but there are kids who watch the show so you've got to really spell it out he begins buried thinking about Anakin and uh, Palpatine and Qui-Gon and just every all of his failures. And he can't quite sum up the strength. But once he starts thinking about Leia and Luke in the path, that kicks him back into gear. And as I said at the top, it's sort of the literalization of a new hope. That is what gets him out of that ditch. And I just love that. Exactly. I agree. And then last point, we touched on this as well. I'm paying you $100 million. I'm <laughs> Disney. I am the mouse house. I say Cade. I need you to script me a reason why Obi-Wan doesn't kill this man right here and then. What on earth are you possibly drawing up? God. That's tough, right? Yeah. Um... Sympathy? You can't say he's he assumed he's going to die because he's made that mistake right. once. Is it? And I would say sympathy is realistic in terms of the character, but also Obi-Wan understands the threat that Vader possesses. So, to, so there is... The point being is that you couldn't come up with one because uh, yeah. that's why they didn't You're give us fire one, right? me, Disney. Like yeah. I don't, I don't have anything for you because you would think if they came up with something good, they would have put it in the show. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's it's a I I would love because I'm sure they're gonna have a round of interviews with Deborah Chow and the writer and stuff and and ask them this question and I hope they have something that is uh, deep because I'm sure they had conversations about this, but you know at some point I'm sure they were just like. Do we really need conversation? To? That's the whole premise of the show. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I know. Um, eventually, they just didn't talk about it. They're just like, 
All right. Oh, wait a minute. They have to meet each other again. <laughs> Did oh, anybody mention shit. that? We forgot. We got to go back for reshoots and film this big <laughs> fight. Um, yeah, I, I don't. I don't. We accidentally any. cut off Darth Vader's head. You what? <laughs> <laughs> Gaffin Kennedy's losing her fucking mind. You did what to my fucking baby? Yeah, I don't know. I don't have anything. Yeah, yeah, same here. I don't know what I would do. The only thing that I could picture is sympathy, but that would just also mean incredible stupidity because Vader has made clear that he, to quote our boy, RIP Mace Window, he's too dangerous to be left alive. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right, let's talk about Vader's resolution. Let's talk about that big climactic scene where he gets his face cut off, which... Uh, face the mask cut in half which features what i would say is probably the darkest as you pointed out probably the darkest line in the show so far and it's broken up because i think obi-wan says something in between but it's sort of an overall piece of one quote it's anakin is gone i am what remains okay that fucking hit me so deep Mm -hmm. i was like holy fuck because like I think an underrated aspect of Darth Vader is that he's a fucking psychopath. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I feel like that's not talked about enough, that this yeah. guy is fucking nuts. And that is that sort of disassociated self of mm-hmm. I am, uh, you know, I'm a different person now. Yeah. It's terrifying. And then for him to lead into sort of releasing Obi-Wan of his guilt, but also in the most horrifying way possible. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, Obi-Wan, don't worry. I am not your failure. You didn't kill Anakin Skywalker. And and at that point, if I'm Obi-Wan, I'm thinking, oh, great. Guilt is gone. Yeah. I'm feeling good. And then he says, I did. And I'm You're just like, like oh. oh, that's worse. <laughs> that's <laughs> somehow worse. <laughs> so, yeah, man. That so and the sort of, of course, imagery of the half ripped open mask and the mm-hmm. and the flipping back and forth between blue light and red light. And of course, the most notable aspect, the flipping back and forth between the Vader voice and the yeah. Anakin voice was just so goddamn effective that while I am sort of confused about how Obi-Wan leaves it, i.e. you simply got to kill this guy. Mm-hmm. But I'm also not complaining about it because I know he can't and I'm not a fucking asshole. Um, <laughs> where Vader is resolved, because I feel like he's not only admitting that to Obi-Wan, he's admitting that to himself. That is sort of the vibe that I got where this was like a for him to truly leave his past behind, Obi-Wan needed to be killed. And I think that once he failed at that, he sort of still had that epiphany-esque moment regardless where even he realized, I feel nothing for you. I feel nothing for no one. Anakin is gone. I am Vader. Yeah, because we had talked about uh, in, I think it was the last episode or maybe the one before that. Um the visions they had to the prequels, the flashbacks were from Anakin's perspective, basically like it would cut back to Darth Vader sitting there. And it was implied that he was the one reminding himself of these moments. And obviously that comes back at the end of that episode when he's fighting Riva and is using his lessons learned between that, that sparring session. So it is a acceptance of Anakin Skywalker is no more. This is Darth Vader. And that is a powerful moment. And, I think about it. I've been trying to analyze this through the mindset of where Darth Vader ends up at the end of all of this in return of the Jedi. This guy has a long path to quote unquote redemption, right? Like that is a, you know, people debate like if he can even be redeemed, but whatever the case may be, this is a guy who is probably at the 
lowest point of his life right now in terms of darkness and will eventually have to grow back to I need to protect my kid and bring balance to the force and whatnot. Right. So it's interesting to see where we're at now and uh, see the acceptance of Vader and then him kind of bowing down to Palpatine at the end of all of this uh, uh, episode. To your point of where we're at now, here's my next point of sort of Vader ending. I'm glad that they didn't do it sooner because I think that people are still scarred from Rise of Skywalker, as am I. Mm-hmm. Did we really need Palpatine? And to that point, do you buy him being the reason that Vader ends his pursuit for what amounts to the next nine, ten years? Is he um, really that committed that he's that he can bear? I mean. Again, that is why I almost respect them because they're already painted into such a tight corner that their yeah. moves are minimal. So for Vader to be like blindly committed one second where he's willing to like lose a fight to the next being like, all right, fuck it. You're right. I I, I don't know if I love that. Yeah, it's it's like um, I, I get it because the whole reason this all began really was because he listened to Palpatine. You know, in terms because of because we had discussed last week, what's going to stop him? <laughs> yeah, and I, and I it said it'd be out, Padme, and, uh, and it turns out no, no, no. Like what's because we had thought that he he was going to find out about Luke. That's what so I'm we, saying. Yeah, he thought it'd be like a piece of Padme, right? Like, so it turns out the answer to that is Palpatine is what stops him, and I don't yeah. know if I love that. Yeah, it's not as um, emotionally airtight as I think maybe the thing I camp with. And I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. I just think that's a, a, a cool full circle moment yeah. in my in my mind. But um, it's a logical enough reason that I don't, you know, dismiss it. It's maybe just not the resolution that I think would have been like the ultimate cherry on top for this. But I, I get it. Like I said, you know. Palpatine is the reason Darth Vader is created and betrayed the Republic and ultimately led to his wife dying and stuff. So I can see him being like, yes, you know everything. You're going to be my guidance here. And to his uh, dismay. (laughs) All right, let's swing over to Reva's resolution. So she lives, uh, she pursues Luke, but she ultimately decides that she can't kill him as she has visions of her turning into what she once feared and reviled, and that is Anakin Skywalker. She sort of breaks down in the sand. Obi-Wan with thoughts of what did I become? So let me just say, in addition to Obi-Wan winning round three, I saw this one coming from a mile away. Mm-hmm. The Reva twist, as soon as Darth Vader snapped that kid's neck and she was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, she's turning. No shot. So yeah. I, I don't not so much the surprise narratively, but what did you think of the execution of the end of her storyline? Because I actually think that narratively it makes sense, like in terms of her seeing Luke and then seeing her becoming the thing that she hates most. Loved all that. But like visually, it felt like all of this week's bread went to the Darth Vader Luke fight. And this was sort of just patched up and thrown on in there. Yeah, I never really even understood why the fuck she was going after Luke. Like, I know she saw the thing. She knows that it's Darth Vader's kid and she hates him. Okay. Okay. Sure. And and her reasoning was when when she's saying at the end, I failed them. She's talking about the younglings that died. Yeah. She's saying, like, I want a revenge by you killed younglings. I'm going to kill yours. Right. Okay. That makes sense. Um, yeah, it, it wasn't, like, the most necessary thing. You know, like, I was like, I could, I'm could, i here for Obi-Wan and Darth Vader's whole thing. And this feels like a, 
a side detour in this whole story. I mean, it's it's important for her character, but for the core story of Obi-Wan, I was like, eh, this isn't really necessary. You could cut this whole thing and nothing really changes. Yeah. Um, I, I, I was a bit confused by it a little bit. I mean... It's cool to see Aunt Beru packing a heater and shit, but she you know. was kind of dope. She <laughs> yeah, was dope. she's like, "Oh, and get your shit figured out. Uh, we gotta fucking hold down the fort, do some Home Alone shit." But um, it's just not necessary. Uh, I, 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 I. Where don't. do you land on the character as a whole? Uh, cool character. I, I, I think this this works in a in a larger show or something that has a little more of a broad focus, but uh, this, this whole moment wasn't needed, but I don't hate it uh, at all. If you want to talk about someone whose story is going to keep going, I think she's locked in. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think that's a, a pretty much a, a guarantee uh, because she, it'd be weird to just drop her off and never see her again. I, I'm sure she'll come back in some capacity. Maybe she'll be in Jedi survivor. Who knows? Right. <laughs> um, all right. Do you have any final thoughts on Luke and Leia? Because I don't. I I just it, I know I was talking about canon and stuff, but I'm like, it is weird how just like Luke Skywalker goes through this incredibly traumatic thing and is just like never addressed. Ben Kenobi. <laughs> yeah, huh? it's it's a little flimsy, but again, I don't I don't really care. I just I do think it's a little silly, but it's no big deal. Um, yeah, I I I I'm surprised by how much I grew to love Leia by the end mm. of the show. I because I like. I did not like her at the beginning. I think I like they turned now. it around big time on her. Yes. I think a huge part of it was the context in which we saw her, her sort of yeah. snarky smart assness around her family and friends. It's like, all right, kid, chill out. But in the yeah. face of like Sith Lord, it's like, Oh, this is a badass fucking kid. <laughs> yeah. And she's, she's a very good, like this actress is very good at portraying the emotional connection to Obi-Wan and being yeah. like, I need you. Like, and, and then the almost bittersweet goodbye of like, we can't ever tell anybody about each other ever again. This has to remain a secret. You know, I don't know if we can ever see each other again, but it's, and it ties nicely into why she's calling for him uh, at the beginning of a new hope. Right. Yeah. All right. Final point here. I think really Qui-Gon Jinn ultimately unimportant to the plot. He didn't pop up to save him in battle. He didn't give him any key advice. He just sort of guided him to peace towards the end, which upon reading that in the, wikipedia synopsis i like it thematically and not more realizing that the reason that obi-wan wasn't able to get in touch with qui-gon is not because of qui-gon ignoring him but because of obi-wan's own faith and belief and hope in the force itself exactly love that so it wasn't really important to the plot but i thought it was a cool touch and as i said this could possibly be the threat of a season two but beyond that those are really my thoughts yeah i i I, we've already talked about like i don't know where this goes i don't know if it goes anywhere uh, but I, I like that inner peace whole thing of just like uh, at the end of Revenge of the Sith, Yoda's like, I'm going to teach you how to speak to Qui-Gon. He goes, Qui-Gon, you know, it's just right. there's a light in his eyes. And now he finally gets that moment where he can be like, there he is. Let's go connect. And, and, and I learn. thought Qui-Gon's response was dope where he's like, he was something like took you long enough. Yeah, like it's it's perfect. And Liam Neeson's always a good addition to anything. Yep. So yep. <laughs> um, all right. So now the return of our awards. If you've been a long time listener of the show, you know we used to do these for every sort of episode. Ultimately, we cut them out to just put them at the end of seasons instead. So to begin, the Luke Skywalker Award for the real 
MVP. Obvious, right? It's Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Obi-Wan yeah. motherfucking Kenobi. <laughs> What'd you say in your tweet? No one does it like him? Yeah, he's the coolest motherfucker to ever exist. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, the Jar Jar Binks Award for the series worst performance, Kid. I didn't. I couldn't think of anything. I tried I've got one. really hard. Go I've ahead. got a good one. The guard seen pathetically chasing Leia when, when they first <laughs> introduced her. Sure. I blocked that out of my memory. Pitiful. So Pitiful. Good, good call. <laughs> All right. The Han Solo Award for the best performance for a non-forced user. I This one to me also is easy. I would say it's either, I forget her name, the girl from. My the girl, Tala. Yeah. Yep. Or I would also maybe even say Leia. I think she's, well, she gets the force later on in the movies, but you get the idea. <laughs> All right. The Anywhere But Tatooine Favorite Planet or Locale Award. For me, it's that sort of like Blade Runner 2049-esque Dayu City. That's a cool place. I like the the water planet with, that's from Jedi Fallen Order. I think that's a pretty cool place. Right, right. Okay. The May the Force Be With You Award for the best line of <laughs> dialogue. I have three. I will do what I must. That is probably one of my favorite Obi-Wan lines ever because it's just, as you said, so fucking cold. Like, it's like, it's almost, it's not, he's not even like acknowledging him. He's just acknowledging like the situation. He's yeah. like, I don't care who you are or what's in front of me. I'm going to do fucking business right now, <laughs> yeah. which I just love. Um, I said this before and the delivery robot or not is so good. Your strength has returned, but the weakness, the way he hits weakness is so yeah. fucking hard, but the weakness still remains. And that is why you will always lose. And then, of course, as we've said quite a few times, Anakin is gone. I am what remains. I am not your failure. Obi-Wan, you didn't kill Anakin Skywalker. I did the same way. I will destroy you. Cade? That's mine, that last one. Yeah, gotcha. it's perfect. All right. The Rewind That Real Quick Award, which is basically the moment you would like to watch again. It's the Vader fight. That's just fucking the whole thing. The whole thing. I I watched it twice, like just on its own, because I was like, this is just good. Like, yeah, I just like watching this. <laughs> yeah. So I wrote down obviously the whole fight, but specifically the moment when Obi-Wan picked up those rocks. I it's literally yelled shit. out loud. I was like, oh shit. Yeah. I literally yelled, oh shit. shit. Yes. Uh, all right. The put this in the Jedi Temple Award, aka sort of the aspect of the show that deserves to be enshrined. For me, just to give you an example of what this should be, I think it's that conversation between the two at the end of the fight where Vader's voice is going back and forth between Anakin and Vader and Obi-Wan says, then my friend is truly dead. Yeah, I had the last exchange between Obi-Wan and Vader, so that'd probably be very similar. All right, the Rebel Alliance Award for the best hero moment. I do. This is for the whole season, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I would say the moment that immediately came to my mind was when he's in the little uh, interrogation chamber and turns on the lightsaber in the dark and ah. kills those two stormtroopers. I think that's a good highlight. Yeah, I'm going to once again say Obi-Wan going full Avatar mode and just shit. that rock throwing shit. The fucking shot of him just like literally like almost like the rock and like the ring, right? Like yeah. I am fucking Obi-Wan. Just so sick. <laughs> um, what's the worst thing that you could say about the show? I'll say that it's probably extremely difficult for them to make a worthwhile season two. <laughs> it's not even about this show. It's about the yeah, potential. I, my of one. complaints are minimal. Yeah. Minimal. Yeah. Uh, I would say maybe, um, I'd say maybe at worst, like some things were stretched out more than they needed to be. Like it could have been a little shorter if they wanted to really prime it and keep it airtight. But that's that's probably a little nitpicky anyways. 
And then finally, what is the nicest thing you could say about this show? I will say it is as good as Obi-Wan has been portrayed in live action since A New Hope. And that I think it is beginning to prove the rule that the Star Wars TV experiment is emphatically working. I, I think it speaks to the vision of Star Wars, of being able to tell a good self-contained story. I know it's still about Skywalkers on some level, but it's a, a story about Obi-Wan and believing in yourself. It's just a good inspirational story. It's got some dark moments, but it, it all comes out to a happy ending. That's what Star Wars has always been about. And I think yep. it goes back to those roots very nicely. Yep. I agree. So all in all, I would say Obi-Wan was a blast. Like I said, you know, outside of Boba, which wasn't terrible, but I just think that the standard that man, what? Yeah, you thought so? I thought so. Uh, Yeah, it was pretty bad. I just think that the standard that Mando season one and two have set and this has set and that Andor is going to set. I just think that, you know, it's a very promising time to be a Star Wars fan. If you are not already, follow us on Twitter at PostPredPod. Follow Cade at Cade underscore Onder. Follow me at Eric Italiano. Follow our new project at Fake CBM Quotes. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Join us later this week when we will be having another episode. We're talking about Miss Marvel Episode 3, the first reactions to Thor, Love and Thunder, which I'm seeing about 20 hours from now, and our interview with Deadpool writers Paul Warnick and Rhett Reese, which is a fucking blast. They gave us tons of scoops that I can't wait to share with y'all. Cade, my brother, it's been a blast, man. Obi-Wan rule. May the force be with you. Ah, perfect closing. (laughs) Thanks, dog. All right, y'all. Peace. My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius.